Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PwC Tax Bite podcast series. My name is Peter, and today we will talk about indirect taxes and e-invoicing. And you could wonder why a topic like this on a podcast series that is predominantly looking at more direct tax uh, aspects. Well, let me explain you that. Um, over the past months, I have been more and more cooperating with my colleagues that are invited here also to the virtual recording studio on information that tax authorities get. And in this podcast series, we have been talking about DAX 6, DAX 7, joint audits, and all the other uh, stuff that develops around that. When I saw a publication of the European Commission, it triggered me. And I called uh, Ellen and Sven, um, who I have with me here today, um, to talk about e-invoicing and what is happening in the indirect tax world. So let me introduce my guests, first of all, um, Ellen Kortfriend. Um, Ellen is leading uh, our global e-invoicing and e-reporting center of excellence in Belgium. Um, and Sven Genens. Uh, Sven is uh, part of the, the same center of excellence and uh, very much aware of the developments in Europe. So let's kick it off. And Ellen, I want to start with you, uh, perhaps as an introduction. Can you share a bit with the audience what's, uh, what's ongoing in the indirect tax world? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Hello, everyone. So indeed, um, what is happening from an indirect tax perspective, um, you will not be surprised that one of the main drivers behind the many initiatives that we see for governments collecting more and more information about businesses is the search for money. Um, the way to reduce the so-called VAT gap in Europe, the VAT gap meaning the differences between what member states uh, um, the VAT amounts that member states um, should collect versus what they actually collect. And we see that that drives a lot of initiatives on member state level to really ensure a better collection of that VAT that is actually due. As of course, collecting what you already should receive is a, a far more popular measure than introducing new or additional taxes. Um, you also see that governments are conducting governments, uh, are conducting audits, sorry, in, in, uh, in a different way than they did before. Um, it links, for instance, also with uh, the OECD uh, that has put forward a discussion paper around what they refer to as tax administration 3.0, meaning their vision for the digital transformation of tax administrations in order to ensure that taxation becomes more of a seamless, a frictionless process over time, which also means that governments need to collect uh, information more in real time from governments, uh, from, uh, from businesses and um, make sure that they can um, come to the right conclusions in, in real time. And governments realize that the invoice, the transactional information that is listed on an invoice, really gives perfect insight in the company's transaction flows. And that is why um, in, in countries like Italy, being the first one in Europe uh, to introduce mandated electronic invoicing, but also other countries uh, are following the same trend, introduced indeed this requirement to um, not only issue invoices in electronic format, but also to do this um, with a government platform right in the middle of the process. Uh, in, in, the, in the case of Italy, this is, this is uh, the SDI platform that is really responsible for sending and receiving invoices between Italian taxpayers. It means that governments really have real-time visibility into companies' transactions even before the actual invoice has reached the buyer in this case. 
Um, I would say that what Italy did a few years back is really inspirational for other member states and um, many other countries, um, there are over 10 in total that are currently looking into the introduction of similar systems in uh, their local territories. Big economies like Poland, like France, who will also uh, move towards uh, the same type of system uh, like Italy did uh, a few years back. So all in all, that of course means um, a lot of impact to companies' processes, to companies' systems, uh, to make sure that they can provide real-time visibility into their transactional information. If I may link back, Peter, with what you mentioned around um, the public consultation, so the document that was published by the European Commission. Well, the, com the Commission also noticed this trend, eh, that many countries are indeed uh, implementing these types of systems um, in their local legislation. Um, and they, um, they are looking into ways to really um, improve tax compliance, improve um, the, the introduction of these types of systems in a more harmonized manner and the first step is is really that public consultation around what they call VAT in the digital age it's a consultation that is open for submissions uh, until the 5th of May of this year um, and the, the the Commission is is starting to investigate a number of um, specific policy options around what they call digital reporting requirements ranging from let's say a status quo um, where by um, yeah, every member state is still allowed to introduce mandated electronic invoicing, real-time um, reporting of transactional information in the way they, they really uh, want to and define, uh, versus the other side of the spectrum, let's say, uh, that goes towards a full harmonization of these types of requirements um, in, uh, well, for, for all countries in the EU, basically. Thanks, Ellen. And and I must say, I what I'm hearing is a lot of similarities with with what I see happening in in more the the, the direct tax uh, sphere. Eh? So more direct information, quicker information for the authorities, more structured. So um, that that I see really see some similarities there. Um, I would be very interested, Sven, to to understand a bit more what kind of challenges that you are seeing with businesses with these new developments and i'm curious to see if these are similar to the challenges that i have when i talk to uh, businesses on on the direct tax side yes thank you peter so uh, i believe that there are yeah many items that business struggle with when dealing with these obligations but but maybe to to really understand the impact of, of mandatory invoicing um, and especially in a model where you need to provide your invoice data to the government, uh, it's best to compare it um, with the current post-audit way of, of working. Currently, when you have a supply of goods or services, you issue your invoice and then each month or uh, each quarter you report your data in a consolid consolidated manner in your VAT return. And now and then you get a tax inspector who drops by and he checks whether everything is in order. So when there's an error in your invoice, the tax department has quite some time to, to make corrections. Um, so, so they can make sure that they get everything right um, before the tax inspector drops by. Um, but in case of mandatory invoicing, you need to provide your data, as Ellen already mentioned, 
to the tax authorities even before your business partner gets the invoice data. Um, so you need to make sure that you get your data right the first time or otherwise your invoice will most likely not pass the validation rules that um, are in place. So that means that you, you are not able to issue your invoice if um, your invoice data is not right. So that's really an operational threat because if you can't issue your invoice, you, you can't get paid, of course. Um, an, another challenging uh, fact is there are so many countries that are currently looking at these types of obligations that's very hard for, for businesses to keep up um, with all the obligations that are announced or that are uh, Will soon will will be implemented. So um, we we know that there is a lot of information available online, but yeah, as as a tax professional, you need to check whether the information is up to date, whether you can trust the information, um, and, and then you need to yeah. We, we know many businesses keep large Excel fi files themselves uh, to document all the changes and then to see um, what is applicable to them, what is relevant for them. And, and because, of course, you need to know um, quite upfront about these obligations. Um, as you need time for implementing the changes through the various systems and processes that, uh, that are in place. So that's also one of the reasons that we developed the solution um to help businesses um with that one and then the the, the final um yeah, item is once you know the obligations that are headed your way you of course need to yeah, determine a strategy on how to deal with those obligations will you implement um, local solutions in, in each of those countries will you look for a, a global solution or a regional solution um, so to reduce the effort from your side, there are a lot of uh, yeah, relevant criteria to take into account when making uh, such a decision. So that's also really something um, businesses need to think about and need to deal with. Uh, and it's not really something that they have needed to deal with uh, previously. Um, so a lot of items that they, uh, that they are confronted with currently. Yeah, and I think on, on, on top of that, if I may, um, well, the consequences of being non-compliant are, of course, more than ever far-reaching. Huh? It's, it's more than just a compliance obligation. If you're not dealing with these requirements in a proper manner, if you're not finding a solution in order to send out your invoice in a proper way towards your, uh, your business customer, then that can really become a, a, an operational concern for your business. So it's really key, as, as Fan mentioned, to have really a good visibility on the requirements and how they apply to your, to your business. And in addition, uh, on, on top of that, to also have a proper compliance change manage, management strategy in place because uh, it's it's not at all a standstill process uh, requirements keep on popping up from all sides of the world we've talked a lot about the european developments but also in other uh, sides of the world asia pacific the americas regions um, um, countries are really looking into uh, the introduction of these types of systems so really uh, making sure that you as a business can stay ahead of the curve will be more than ever important yeah, thanks, Alan Sven. This is um, looking so familiar for me because if I look at what happens, for instance, in Index 7, 
we see more and more the direct business impact. If you are reporting information on, on, on the users of your digital platform, you are directly impacting them. And, and that's what I see here as well, that you that you say, well, more and more, if things go wrong, and we're not only talking about a compliance problem, but a business problem. And, and that's interesting to see. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, um, Ellen, how do, because it must be a huge challenge, uh, how do businesses prepare for this? How do they, how do they yeah, cope with this complexity? Well, um, it's first of all a bit like, like Sven mentioned, eh? having full visibility on your roadmap of requirements, that, that's, the, that's key. It, it seems very easy to do, but with everything that is changing, uh, it's not at all the case. Um, I would say, secondly, um, in a world where governments receive your data in real time, yeah, having your data right um, as, from, uh, as, as from the start will be key, as this will, of course, also be what governments will focus on when they are gathering your data. They, they will look, look for a por perfect correspondence between your transactions and your accounts again. And then having that, that proper future-proof e-requirement strategy in place um, to make sure that you can respond to changes in a very agile, in a cost-effective manner, um, whilst also not forgetting about your wider finance and digital transformation strategy will be key. And I guess there also, in case you're, you're relying on a third party, a, a partner to assist you with, uh, with those requirements from a technology perspective, also their way of dealing with compliance will be very crucial. It will be um, more an upfront uh, selection criterion than it was in the past, given again uh, the importance that these requirements uh, have uh, for your uh, for your business. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious, Alan, what I see in, uh, in direct taxes is that when um, countries implement these kind of new rules, that sometimes each country would do their own way. And you have lots of differences, which is very challenging for business. Is this something that is happening as well with this kind of legislation or is Europe looking to, to take initiatives here to harmonize? Yeah, well, unfortunately, um, as, as we mentioned also in the beginning of the podcast, yes, uh, countries are unfortunately all doing it in, in their own uh, specific way. Yeah? Some of them uh, are, are rather focusing on uh, the invoice process and our, our um, mandated electronic invoicing systems with or without uh, interference of a government or a government platform in between that process. Others are more um, are more receiving your data, your transactional information in real time. Um, other countries are more looking into um, safety, so receiving your accounting uh, information in a structured format in order to conduct e-audits. So we see a variety of systems, um, standards um, popping up. Um, is Europe looking into harmonization? Well, this is, as I mentioned, one of the policy options that, that Europe is uh, is considering. Uh, so they, they may uh, indeed push for full harmonization. But um, of course, what, what cannot be underestimated is the fact that many European member states have already or are investing a lot of money in the setup of these domestic systems to reduce their local VAT gaps. And of course, their search for money due to the pandemic is, is more pressing 
thing than ever. Um, so the question is a bit whether these member states will be willing to take a few steps back um, to, to find consensus overall and, and conform to a, a European model that is yet to be invented. However, we, we see that it, it was clearly the message that the European Parliament has also given to the European Commission via resolution that was published uh, earlier this week um, even, whereby they really call on the European Commission to set up a harmonized common standard, standard for e-invoicing across the EU um, already by uh, the end of this year to really reduce the cost of the creation of these fragmented, these different systems across the, the different member states. So I would say, uh, Peter, that it's, 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 it's an area to be very closely monitored in the next couple of months because I, I guess a lot will happen in this, uh, in this domain. Well, thanks, Helen. And we're moving to the to the end of the podcast. But Sven, of course, I have a question for you. Uh, still a last question. Um, can you, as an example, perhaps for the audience, elaborate a bit on what's happening in Belgium? Uh, because I, I, I hear that Belgium is taking some initiatives in this area, right? Yes, Peter, you're right. At the end of last year, Vincent van Peterhem, the Belgian Minister of Finance, publicly confirmed that Belgium will make B2B e-invoicing gradually mandatory. An agreement on the general principle was already reached at political level during the budget discussions in October last year. And the government is currently working on a proposal um, to put this into law and they aim to present their proposal before the summer. Now, the discussions are still ongoing. This means, of course, that the details of the obligation can uh, still change. But based on the information currently available, we expect that e-invoicing will become mandatory for domestic transactions between Belgian established companies. So cross-border transactions or transactions with businesses that are not established in Belgium appear not to be in scope. This is similar of the scope of the Italian or French invoicing mandate, um, but an important difference when comparing the upcoming Belgian mandate with others is that at this stage, only the invoicing process as such will be regulated as it appears that the actual reporting of the invoice data to the tax authorities is not yet in scope. Um, the timing currently circulating for the rollout of the e-invoicing mandate seems to be quite ambitious as from the 1st of July, large businesses should be able to issue e-invoices and from the same date, all other businesses should already be able to receive in e-invoices. Um, and by the 1st of January 2024, the rollout of the e-invoicing mandate should already be fully completed. Um, and by then, all businesses should be able to issue e-invoices for transactions in scope of the obligation. Now, you may think that this obligation will only be relevant um, for companies that still use paper invoices, which is about 20 to 25% of all Belgian companies. Uh, but that assumption would be wrong. Mm. Indeed, the Belgian government wants to introduce true electronic invoicing, um, whereby the invoice is issued in a structured electronic format, 
meaning that PDF invoices sent by email will not be accepted anymore. And to give you an idea, um, based on government statistics, about 60% of all Belgian companies currently send their invoices in PDF via email. But also companies that are already uh, issuing their invoices in a structured format can be impacted by the mandate as the government intends to oblige a specific way to issue structured um, e-invoices, the so-called PEPL four-corner model. Um, and PEPL, it, it may be an unfamiliar term, that's a framework, um, a common set of rules based on international standards that is aimed at increasing interoperability in, amongst others, the invoicing process. Um, Basically, you can describe PEPL as a standard to simplify communication between trading partners. Maybe a final thought, if you put all this together, um, this means that the B2B invoicing mandate will have an impact on virtually all Belgian businesses um, as they will need to rethink their invoicing process and will need to have their solution up and running in less than two years from now to ensure that uh, they meet the regulatory requirements and of course that their business operations are uh, not interrupted um yeah uh, th thanks for, for this for me the, the key takeaway for me what i listening to to both of you is like um if i would be out there and i'm responsible for direct tax and, and transparency in direct taxes eh? transfer pricing documentation and so on i think for me the message is connect with your with your indirect tax colleagues because the this is yet another important source of information for the authorities you better make that your information is consistent eh? and 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 is not contradictory and i think that is that is for me a key message and i think we can also learn a lot from um, each other we have the same challenges in dealing with this tax information and how to collect it and and, and so on. So that is that is for me, uh, yeah, my my takeaway from the session. And I, I thank you both eh, for uh, for being here in the studio. Um, I heard something say about a, a webinar that is upcoming. Um, Eleanor Sven, uh, is that something you want to share with the audience if they are interested to join? Uh, yeah, you're right, Peter. So on the, the 24th of May, we will uh, have a webinar on this topic um, where we will give an update on the global developments, but we will also zoom in on the developments in Belgium specifically. So uh, th that's certainly something uh, to watch for. Yeah, thank you, Sven. We will add the link uh, on, on the podcast page so people can find it easily back. Um, with that, I want to thank you for joining me and uh, thanking the audience for tuning in. And uh, we'll speak again in the next podcast, I'm sure. Thank you. Mm -hmm.